Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am once again your host, Tyler Metcalf. Last week, I apologize, I was MIA due to conflicts from traveling and life just getting in the way. But this week, I am back. Thank you to Rucker and Albert for filling in with their on-the-scene recaps from Vegas. So far on this pod, we've talked mostly about guys towards the top of the draft. While those top-tier prospects should and will get the majority of draft coverage, this week I wanted to spread the love to some guys who haven't been getting as much attention as maybe they deserve. I promise this isn't one of those look at me and how deep my scouting knowledge is type of episodes. Those are pretentious, and if you haven't caught on yet, hopefully you will soon. That's not how we operate at No Ceilings. Instead of thinking of this as a planting our flag type claim, think of it as a PSA on who else to keep an eye on. This year's draft is yet again shaping up to have some impressive depth, so being aware of late round value is important. We're not here to prove how smart we are, how much better at this we are than everyone else. We're here to spread the love, have a great time, help you learn about some really talented NBA prospects, and build the community. I planned this week's topic a week or so ago, but this week, Corey Talaba wrote a beautiful piece for No Ceilings that laid it out perfectly, so I might as well let him tell you. It's funny, because draft nicks go to bat for prospects like kids go to bat for indie bands. We love being the one who gets to say, I told you so, or I listened to them before they were cool. Some of us even wear our favorite prospect's name in our Twitter profile like fans wearing band merch. The NBA draft community keeps growing every year, and that's the coolest part about covering it. Some people might see all these new accounts pop up on draft Twitter and see it as someone trying to take their spot, but it's the opposite. As the niche grows, everybody wins. Fuck the I told you so's and the elitist bullshit. Let's celebrate our L's and learn together. At No Ceilings, we want to continue to push this awesome subculture forward and continue to build a community of outcasts who want to listen to the band before they blow up. We want to take this scrappy underdog of a sports niche and show the mainstream companies that we're really out here doing this shit all year round in ways that haven't been done before. We're going to stretch draft coverage to its limits. Let's get to it. All right. Even though I was out last week, I still listened. I heard what my guest said. I heard the shit he talked. I was tempted to fly out to L.A., kneecap him, teach him a lesson, assert my dominance, and move on with my day. 
However, I slept on it, decided to be the bigger man and bring him on, decided we could have some fun and get a little weird. We put the adults to bed. We're on our own. Uh, looking forward to having some fun tonight. He is the architect of Taking Out the Trash, one of the hosts of the Draft Act podcast, and a fellow founding member of No Ceilings. He is Albert Gim. Albert, how the hell are you? Dude, um, I'm, I'm a little nervous after that intro. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm going to have to install like a ring camera um, to my door You'll of my apartment. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, but man, it's it's really good to be on. I, I'm, I was so surprised that you asked me to be on this week after... Um, you know, t- you know, filling in for you last week, but it's an honor. You know, it's an honor. I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to get weird with you. Um, oh, that sounds weird, but um, <laughs> we have <laughs> we have some cool guys to talk about. So I'm excited. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you you've been making all the podcast rounds. Your your and Corey's podcast has taken off. Um, it, it just felt right to bring you on. And as I alluded to in the opening. This week, I wanted to cover some guys who aren't getting enough love, or at least enough love that we've been seeing on the internet. Uh, Not necessarily super deep sleepers, but guys that should be in the conversation of being maybe a fringe first or second round pick. Uh, We're both bringing three names to the conversation today. Um, As the guest, Albert, why don't you start us off? Who is the first name you want to bring up? Um, Well, once again, thank you for uh, having me on and giving me the honor of going first. Um, but I, I want to talk about a guy that I got to see live. You know, this is not some sort of flex. It's just I got to see him in person, and he was really impressive. And his name is Julian Strother. Uh, we're talking about the wing from Gonzaga. I believe he's a sophomore. Pretty sure I have that right. Uh, but he is a guy that it, – it's weird. The first night that Rucker and I were in Vegas, we were watching UCA, UCLA play Bellarmine, and then Gonzaga played Central Michigan. I believe I have that right. But um, it was we just all of our attention and our eyes were just on Chet. So we kind of like missed the rest of Gonzaga, which was pretty unfortunate sure. because Strother had like a really solid 15 points that night. Mm-hmm. And so going into game two, the following night for Gonzaga and UCLA, I think for Rucker and I, we're like, OK, we've we've done all our gushing over Chet. We're on the floor. We got to see him warm up. He is an unbelievable prospect. We're like, let's take a look at everybody else. Cause when we looked at the box score after that first night, we're like, damn, wh- when did Strother have 15? Like, when, the hell, when the hell did that happen? So night two, we were like, okay, we're going to pay a lot of attention to Strother. We're going to check out all the other guys. And he was really impressive. And so, you know, I kind of went back, watched all the other games, watched their game against Texas. I thought Strother was really good in that game too. But mm-hmm. yeah, just a couple of things that I wanted to highlight and then Metcalf, if I can get some of your yeah. um, feedback as well, because with Strother and I, they said it on the telecast too, when they were playing Texas, when they were playing uh, Dixie, whatever, um, he backed up Kispert last year. And that was a really big um, advantage for him where he got that experience where he had to guard Kispert all the time. He was in shooting drills with Kispert. And I think a lot of that experience really rubbed off on him and his kind of carrying him here in year two as he has a bigger load on his plate. Uh, he's in the starting rotation. And so, yeah, some of the things that I want to start off with, really good shooter. I, I really like his jump shot a lot. It yeah. looks very compact. It looks very repeatable. It looks very mm-hmm. fluid. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's a good place to start. But wanted to get your thoughts on that because I really like him as a shooter first. Yeah, it's funny that he's – backed up Kispert last year too because that's such a seamless transition at that 
position in terms of their shooting from one elite shooter to apparently another, uh, which is something, which is just such a privilege that basically every program can't endure. And it doesn't seem fluky either with Strother's shooting. So and he's currently shooting 42.5% from three on five attempts a game. Uh, 94th percentile overall points per possession, 85th in spot up, um, and 85th percentile in shooting off the catch. So it's it seems, I know those are early numbers and they could change if he goes on a cold streak, but his shot selection, his decision-making, his ability to find those open pockets on the perimeter, it feels really sustainable and just like it's natural to him right. where it's not where he's processing, oh, shoot, now I have to lift out of the corner to make myself available here, or now I have to sink farther to the corner to get the baseline kick out. It's just like they're all tied to a string and just moving in sequence with each other. So that combined with his form, it it seems really fluid. Did it look like that in person too? Did it seem just like effortless for him, kind of just operating on the wing without the ball? I think what you said is perfect. It, it's effortless. That's a really good way of putting Strother's shot. It, there's nothing about his shot that looks mechanical, nothing mm-hmm. about his shot where it looks like he's overthinking or trying to do certain things. Like it's very natural. It's very effortless. He gets it up really easily. Um, there's a lot to like with the jump shot. And then on top of that, something that I'm liking, and I think he's integrating this more and more into his game because I think he's now starting to garner more respect with his outside shot so as defenders are coming out on him he's attacking those closeouts he's got a really nice floater which I was really impressed by and when you watch his tape his floater is pretty nice it's nice touch and I think that's kind of the thing with him right like these guys who are good shooters have good touch and his floater is really really nice and you were kind of going over his numbers um those numbers are really impressive numbers and the number that stuck out to me the most that we saw in person as well seven rebounds a game. Yeah. That's a real number. And, 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 and beyond the number beyond that, it passes the eye test. When we were there watching, he was down low, banging with the bigs, fighting for boards, reading the ball off of the rim. There was a lot to like with Strother. Just, you know, of course the headline stuff with him is going to be the shooting, Mm -hmm. right? The floater game, whatever, but he's a really good rebounder, a really solid defender. I like how I, I, I didn't see his uh, wingspan numbers at all, but it seems like he has a pretty decent length. I don't think he has a negative wingspan at all. Uh, he uses it well. He's got good feet defensively. There's just a lot, a ton to like about his game. I'm sorry I transitioned to defense that quickly, but um, no, yeah, no, just, I, I'm really impressed with him. No, I'm glad you brought up the rebounding because that was one of the biggest things that I noticed too. And it, it's, I'm glad that it's backed up by the numbers. Currently 2.4 offensive rebounds a game which is really impressive for a wing and 91st percentile in offensive putbacks. So mm-hmm. he, he similar to how he's really comfortable and just natural at finding those open pockets on the perimeter. He's really comfortable at just kind of slithering his way and reading how the ball is coming off the rim and just being right. there every time he's not skying over guys or having these physical box outs but he just knows where the ball is going to be and finds these little open pockets to kind of wiggle into and just really take advantage of it on, on both ends too. But it's really the offensive end where it really pays dividends. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent 
agree, man. As you mentioned, the two, 2.4 offensive rebounds per game from a wing, your 6'7 wing, that's awesome. I mean, that, that that's just fantastic stuff. And, you know, like something I was thinking about Metcalf, like as I was preparing this and thinking about Strother a lot, mm-hmm. he reminds me so much of, like in terms of role, not, not, exactly, not exactly a comp, but more as a role type of thing. He reminds me so much of what Mikhail Bridges does for the Suns right now. Sure. Because the Suns, they've got CP3, they've got Booker, they've got Aiton, and then Mikhail Bridges and Crowder and those guys and Johnson, they have a different role for that team as a, you know, as a tertiary, you know, fourth option, third, fourth option. And that's kind of Strother for Gonzaga right now. Obviously, they've got Timmy, um, they've got Chet, they've got Nemhard, and then Strother is kind of, you know, he's kind of the glue. That brings them all together on both ends of the floor. As you mentioned, one thing I really agree with you on, offensively, he just knows where to be. He gets to the correct spots. He's watching. He's reading. He's feeling the game. Mm-hmm. And he, it's, it's there. like every game that I watch with Gonzaga, there's never, I don't think I saw one instance where he's getting in the way. He knows right. exactly where to be and where to move and how to get open. And not just open, but also, also he has this like, because he can shoot, the defense is now paying attention to him. So he understands that too, and he's keeping his defender close to him. So I, I was really, really impressed by his game, and he had to be the first one to talk about for me. And so, yeah, man, Mikal Bridges is kind of what, what I'm thinking. <laughs> so, and the the biggest selling point on Bridges coming out of school, obviously, was his defense. And I know you're not doing a one for one comp here, right? Where do you stand on Strother as a defender? Because I not. Most of my notes are from his offense because that's mm-hmm. kind of what jumps off the page more. But I don't have any like negative notes on his defense where it's, oh, got beat on that back cut. Oh, just not good enough to stay with that guy. He's not like an awesome athlete, but mm-hmm. he seems fundamentally sound. He seems aware. He doesn't really make plays. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm torn on is he just a good defense where it's like, is he this NFL cornerback that's so good we never hear his name because quarterbacks just completely avoid him? Mm. Or is he just kind of so-so and just nothing he does really jumps off the page? Where, where, where are you at with his defense? I mean, the the legendary guy that people just wouldn't throw to is like Nandi Asamoah, right? Sure. Darrell Rivas back in the day. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I can go that far with Strother. Mm-hmm. I think I'm leaning more towards that for the former, what you talked about. And that I, I just think he's a really solid defender on a team with Chet Holmgren kind of backing him up and Timmy doing smart things. And I, I think the thing that I like about Strother is he, he feels like a really good team defender, a guy mm-hmm. who is always engaged, a guy who is covering for his teammates, a guy who knows what to do on the weak side, a guy who's just paying attention, you know, off the pick and roll. He knows where to be. He knows how to tag. He knows how to do all kinds of things. So I, I think with him, I think he's going to be either a decent defender or a pretty damn good one is kind of what I feel right now. Um, I, I think, as you mentioned, he's not an elite athlete. Um, his feet can be a little heavy at times is something okay. that I noticed. Um, okay. But at the same time, he doesn't really have slow feet either. I think he's just kind of like a long legged type of guy. Um, but so far from what we've seen, seems like a really smart defender, good team defender. And yeah, I, I'm just hoping that gets better. Not that he's bad, but as right. he continues to develop, then he becomes a bona fide three and D wing. So yeah, that, I think that's, those were like my early takeaways so far with Strother. Okay, perfect. And I, I, I think that's a good place to kind of just transition into my first guy who is a similar 
prototype of the three and D wing, who's also seen a massive uptick in his usage and minutes this year. And that's the six, seven wing from Villanova, Brandon Slater, who last year when I watched Villanova, I was really intrigued by him because he was this impressive athlete who is this awesome defender, but he was so inept off- offensively that he was just a non-factor and he didn't have any sort of shot. And this year it's kind of completely turned around to the point where I mean, he's, his points per game have jumped from 3.8 last year to 14.6. His rebounds jumped from 2.2 to 3.7. Assists jumped from 0.5 to 1.7. His shooting splits from 2020 were 50% from the floor, 41.7 from three, and 60% from the line. And this year, his percentage from the floor is nearly 64% on eight attempts a game. 48% from three on four attempts a game and 82.5% on over three attempts a game. The jump that he's shown offensively was something that I was shocked by. And he's still playing that awesome defense that he showed last year. So I, when it comes to him, I, I, Villanova is so... It, it feels cliche to be like, oh, well, he's just a good basketball player. Well, yeah, they're all good basketball players because that's who Jay Wright recruits and that's how he coaches. Do you think what Slater's doing offensively, is this just a flash in the pan, early season, senior senior year stuff, or is this actually sustainable? Maybe not to the same levels, but enough where it's like, okay, this is now maybe the best prospect on this Villanova team. Oh, man. I, I think for me, <laughs> that was, that, that, yeah, that was intense at the end. Um, for, for, for Slater... Man, I think the biggest thing, Metcalf, that we have to notice is there's a huge uptick in terms of volume um, of what he's doing per game. Um, as you mentioned, all his numbers are up, but it's all up on higher volume. Mm-hmm. Last year, he shot 41% on three on, on only one attempt per game. Right. This year, he's up to 48, almost you know, 48% on almost four attempts per game. That's a huge uptick in terms of volume, and the percentage went up. Free throw shooting, three a game at 82%. From the field, he's up to four a game to seven. Jesus Christ. Oh my yeah. God. Two point percentage up to 78%. Jesus yeah. Christ. What an animal. But um, so with, with me with Slater, it comes, it's as simple as this. As I was watching him shoot, the jump shot looks a lot better. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. I think it looks bad when he goes flat. That's the biggest thing that I noticed. His jump shot, when, when he has no arc on the jump shot, that's when the jump shot can get really wonky. Yeah. Like when it looks good, he's got nice arc on it, nice touch. But then there are times when he gets sped up a little bit, and I think maybe he goes back to his like his roots, and he goes back to that really flat jump shot. There are times there was a, the, one of the games I forgot who they were playing. He he caught it late in the shot clock, threw it up there, and it looked like a Tim Wakefield knuckleball. <laughs> like it was really really rough, and yeah. it didn't look pretty at all. But the the thing that I have to agree with you on is that he's clearly worked on his game. You can see mm-hmm. the improvements, especially in the jump shot. Um, and so if that if he can sustain that, maybe he's not shooting 48% from three right. the whole season. But even if that levels out to 41, back to what he was last season on higher volume with the defense that you're talking about, because he's a pretty tenacious, crazy defender, um, that man is really damn strong. Like he is so intimidating when he goes up against like younger college players. But anyway... Um, I'm with you, dude. If he can keep that up, I think he becomes a really interesting prospect. I just think we need to see a little bit more because the volume is up 
and the percentages are up, that's a good sign. But I think we have to see a little bit more from him in terms of the season to kind of fi- finally get to like a real evaluation of where he's at. And I'm glad that you brought up the variance in how his shot looks, because when you compare it to how it looked last year, he's absolutely done some mechanical changes. It looks more fluid most of the time this year, but then there are those times where he does revert back to what he showed last year. And when you compare that to how we talked about Strother's jumper, where it's fluid, it's natural, it's effortless, Slater still has to kind of think about it a little more, it seems like. So I I think in the long term, I think it's going to be fine these next, the rest of this season, maybe next couple of years. It wouldn't surprise me if we still see some of that where he has a couple wide open, catch and shoot, looks perfect. And then he has one where a guy closes out on him. He rushes and it's like, oh my God, take cover. Um, But (laughs) what, what I've really enjoyed too in his offensive game is that he's shown more of an ability to put the ball on the floor and attack mm-hmm. the rim. I yeah. He's not going to be knocking down step back mid range jumpers or floaters and stuff, but he's gotten way more comfortable at attacking closeouts and he has that athleticism and strength to finish at the rim. Is that something you've noticed as well? Yeah. I mean, if you look at his build, this guy is really strong. Yeah. Um, if you look at how much his body has changed from his freshman year to now, he's definitely put on a crap ton of muscle, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Really good for him. And I think like when we see guys with that type of physique, you kind of always are going to have, you're always going to have that in your head. Like, dude, take it to the basket. You are much <laughs> stronger than these guys, you know? And right. to your point, Rucker, I, I mean, wow, I just called oh, Rucker. Oh, my God. So sorry. Oh, That's okay. sin. Where's, I know. The, where's the end, bro? Okay. <laughs> Christ. That's one and done. Uh, I know. That. I, 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 that's <laughs> sinful. I apologize. <laughs> Metcalf. Um, gr- Sir Metcalf. Yeah. Um, um, I, I have to say, he definitely has, he's definitely more willing to go to the basket, which is good. Right. You mm-hmm. want that from a guy who's built like that. Um, I, I still feel like there's some hesitancy there. Um, sure. It might just be like it's almost like a, like a I don't know, like he's kind of feeling himself out and still learning like what what it's like to have more of the offensive burden. But one thing I did want to point out that I really like Jay Wright is such a great coach. He's such a smart yeah. guy. Yeah. And one thing that I really enjoyed watching Villanova play this year, I like how they're using Slater as a screener. Um, that's something mm-hmm. that I wrote down that I really enjoyed. I like how they, because he's so damn strong, if you use him as a screener and now that he has more of a threat as a shooter, they, I saw them run some pick and pop with him mm-hmm. and he did a really great job of floating out there for, to catch to catch off the pop and put up some threes. And I was like, that's really nice because Slater essentially is like, what, they're three, they're four, and they're using him in pick and roll sets and he's, well, sorry, pick and pop sets. And it's re- it was really impressive. And I was watching that. I was like, that's why Jay Wright is Jay Wright. Like this guy is such a smart right. guy and, and putting in that little twist in your offense can open up a lot of things for them. So anyway, to your point, man, I, I think he clearly is embracing more of that burden offensively, but I also like that he's not their number one or number two option. And he can, you know, as a number three, he's, he st- still stays conservative as a shooter, but once in a while he can spread his wings and do a little bit more. Absolutely. And the, the offensive stuff is the exciting improvements are the exciting part about his game. And if they're sustainable, that's what will keep him in the NBA. But I think the real selling point with him is the defense. And that's what's going to at least get him in the door in these workouts and really 
show NBA teams is like, hey, I can play in your rotation, and now my improved offense can keep me in that rotation. What what, what were your main takeaways with his defense? Because from pretty much everything I've seen, there's very little that I dislike yeah. besides him just not always being able to keep up with like the smaller, quicker point guards, which mm-hmm. few people can. Right. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, obviously, the headliner for him is the defense. I like how he's kind of like the spearhead of their defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they send him out there first to pick up whoever the hell <laughs> has a ball. And he's just like out there with his chest like, puffed out. This, wh- whose day am I going to ruin now? <laughs> <laughs> but but sh- that's straight up what it is. Like He's right. so intimidating looking. But the crazy thing with him that I love so much is that he's not just strong. He uses his strength really well to leverage into like moving guards into where he wants them to go. And also good length on the guy. I, mm-hmm. Once again, I, I've, I don't know the numbers on him at all, but you can tell that he's one of these guys where his, his hands are hanging by his ankles, like real long wingspan uses it. Well, quick hands. There were a lot of positions where he's just poking at balls and getting his hand on balls. And I'm like, that's awesome because if you're that big, that strong with, with quick hands and quick feet, I also like his feet. He moves his feet really well for a guy that's that muscular, yes. which is really goddamn impressive. And as you mentioned, I mean, it's going to be hard to guard six foot guards that are that quick for right. anybody, for anybody. So the fact that he can at least hang with them with his strength and length and feet, he's a scary defender. He's the type of, <clears throat> excuse me, he's the type of defender that every team is going to want. And as you mentioned, if the offense keeps up with it, I mean, it, it, teams are going to be drooling over the kid come draft cycle. Yeah, and I, I, I'm I'm right there with him right now. And I w- you mentioned earlier the the amount of muscle that he put on between last year and this year. And when I first saw him on the court this year, I was like, oh god, how much is he going to slow down mm. from that? And he really hasn't. Like you said, that that footwork is still just perfect almost all the time, which is so encouraging because we so frequently see guys bulk up. And then they really lose a lot of that defensive versatility. So the fact that he hasn't and is still pretty adept at guarding pretty much two through four pretty consistently and the occasional one, I think is really encouraging for his future. But mm-hmm. let's move on. Who, who's who's the second guy you wanted to talk about? Uh, the second guy I wanted to go into is Isaiah Wong. Um, okay. Isaiah Wong, point guard, combo guard, off guard, whatever you want to call him, hybrid guard. Um, he is a guy that I'm really interested in. I've, I've been interested in him for a while. The first person to put me on to him was Mavs draft last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he, he was tweeting. Him. Yeah. Uh, Mavs draft was t- tweeting about him during the draft cycle. And he was like, this guy should stay in. He should get drafted. And I, that's when I got into his tape and I was like, there is so much to like about Isaiah Wong. And I, I kind of want to preface all this by saying he's clearly not a perfect player right? He's not, he has his warts. He has things that he needs to work on. But some of the things that I absolutely love about him is that he's a really explosive athlete. Um, This is a guy who is really strong, really quick, and really fast. I know those two things sound similar, but they are different. He's a really quick, explosive, fast guard um, who I think is improving his jump shot. His jump shot is not even as pretty as Brandon Slater's. Uh, but he's working on it is the thing that I enjoy. I know his numbers are down this year uh, overall, I'm pretty sure. But for me, it's more of an eye test thing. When I go back to the end of last season and from what I'm seeing right now, he's definitely finding himself more comfortable in his jump shot, which I 
really, really like. I like that he's a good shooter in the mid-range off the dribble. He could take two, three dribbles and pull up. It's a pretty good job with that. But, um, yeah, those are my initial thoughts on Isaiah Wong. He's a guy that I've been into now for some time. Um, I'm hoping for a little bit more as the season goes on. But uh, just one, what are your thoughts on him so far? So I was really intrigued when you brought him up. And I hadn't really dove into his film yet this year until you said that you, he was one of the guys you wanted to talk about. And then that's when I did. And I was, I was really disappointed. I was underwhelmed the – Shot, like you said, I mean, it's not good right now. And he's shooting 24% on three and a half attempts a game. Um, And last year's like almost 35% on a little over five. So hopefully he finds a way to return back to that level. But his numbers are down across the board. And I struggle with it because that you never want to see that from a guy who's eight from an upperclassman at this point, really. Right. And but then I realized the team structure, and I believe this is Charlie Moore's first year with the team, the transfer from DePaul. And I noticed that Wong is playing way more off ball than he right. was last season. So, do you think that kind of change in role is not only kind of affecting him, and but also kind of playing more towards his weaknesses than what he's actually best at? Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think even this season, when you watch him play, he kind of gets going when he has the ball in his hands. Um, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. I think they're still feeling things out, but towards the end of these games, when they kind of just throw him the ball and let him go to work, I feel like that's when he starts to kind of get into his groove and you see more of what we saw at the end of last season. But 100%, man, I, I can't argue with you. Like, it is a little discouraging to see the numbers go down. But for me, when I think about where his shooting was last year to what I'm seeing right now, I know it's still not pretty, but I still like it. Like I, I still feel like those numbers are going to catch up. It's kind of how I feel. I think they're okay. going to level out a little bit. Um, but ultimately what you're referring to is kind of an issue with him because I don't think he has the handle or the playmaking to be a bona fide number one. But then at the same time, if his shooting doesn't catch all the way up to where I think it could get to, he might be hard as like a one and a half too, because if he's going to struggle off the ball like that, off mm-hmm. of catch and shoot and stuff like that, then you're kind of like, okay, how do I play this guy? So I, I think for me, the reason why I wanted to talk about Isaiah Wong is because it's more of like an upside play. Like I really do believe okay. he can work this out and become a better shooter and then become a better option off the ball. But right now, exactly what you're talking about, the context and the situation that he's in isn't really playing to his strengths. One of the things that I did really enjoy was his team defense. And I think that's like the athleticism you mentioned. I think that's where that really kind of starts to show itself. And he, he just seemed really aware off ball with how to tag, how to tag the roller, tag cutters, make rotations, preemptively switch, just do kind of all of that. The on ball defense, I didn't get as much of a vibe for yet this year. Last year, I remember being decently impressed with it, but the the off ball and team defense from him this year was what really stood out. How how are you seeing him as a defender? And do you think that's something that could help him translate a little more easily to the NBA? Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I I think defensively, there's a lot to like. I think the ferocity that he plays with offensively transfers over to the defensive side. I think he's a really aggressive defender, a guy who's very engaged. Um, He's he's really strong too. I know, I don't know, like 
how you read his body, but he's stronger than he looked to me mm-hmm. at least, um, which I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, the off ball stuff, I agree with you. I, I think that's something that he's definitely worked on. Um, on the ball, for sure. Like, I think he definitely has the, the speed, the footwork to, to do that. I think he can even guard up to the three in, in, in a pinch. Why not? Um, but yeah, for me, it's like def- on the defensive side, I don't have too many concerns. It's more on the offensive stuff that I'm a little worried about and that, you know, I'm, I'm really just hoping for more. But yeah, defensively, I 100% agree with you. I think he's a solid defender, uh, both on ball and off, and potentially we'll get better at that. So what, what would your ideal role for him kind of be in the NBA right now? Because I, I know we said that it's, it's tough because it, it feels like, like if you just look at the numbers, it's like, oh, he has, he has a one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. But last year he had nearly a two-to-one. And yeah. late in these games where he actually has the ball almost the entire time, they seem to be doing a little more, and they're trying to force it into Charlie Moore's hands a little more and have him off ball despite not being a good shooter. Yeah. So if he ran like a second unit off the bench exactly. in the NBA, it, how, how, how would, how do you think that would go for him? No, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. What came to mind is like what Derek Rose is doing for the Knicks right now is kind okay. of, I could see Isaiah Wong potentially doing a guy who, you know, at the end of the game, at the end of the game can do stuff with the ball in his hands, can make decisions for you, can also go and get a bucket. But also like in the second, third quarter, you need you need a spark to come in and kind of lead your second unit. I think he could definitely do that. But all of this for me hinges on how much his offense develops. Like I feel, yeah. I feel like if the offensive game doesn't ever reach a point of, you know, like it's going to be hard for NBA teams to look at him and be like, yeah, like I, I want to spend a second round pick on a kid who can't really shoot the ball, you know? And so, um, but once again, for me, I'm still optimistic about the jump shot. Like I still think I test it's gotten much better and I'm hoping for more and I'm hoping for the numbers to back it up because sometimes like, even if the eye test is, is there, the numbers can really hurt someone's stock. Like remember Tyrese Maxey a couple of years ago, I loved him as a shooter and a scorer and as like mm-hmm. a, like a lead guy, but you know, teams would bring that number up. Like, Oh, he was only like a, you know, 29% three point shooter. So those numbers do matter. They, 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 they are important. So for Isaiah Wong, I'm hoping he can increase those numbers to better help the stock. Absolutely. And a guy's shot who I'm not worried about at all um, is the second name I wanted to bring up to you. And that's freshman point guard from Creighton, Ryan Nemhard, who was part of that super talented class from Mount Montford, but Nemhard pretty frequently got overlooked because there was so much talent coming out of that school as there typically is. But this year, as a freshman, Nemhard is averaging 13 points, 5.3 assists, 3.8 rebounds, 1.8 steals, shooting 50.5% from the floor, and 47.5% from three. I really liked his Montford tape and the fact that it's translating so quickly in college I honestly shocked me. I thought it would take a year or two because he is smaller. He's only six feet, um, and that may be an inch or two generous for him. But he's really quick, really good shooter. And that that freshman class at Creighton is playing really well, including Trey Alexander and Arthur Kaluma. And the Nebraska game is what really jumped off the page for Nemhard. So am I just kind of, do I have like recency bias or bias because I liked him coming out of high school and I'm viewing him in a little brighter light than maybe I should? Or what have you seen from Nemhard so far? 
Mm, uh, I think for me, historically, I have trouble with smaller guards. I think what sure. you said is rock solid. I, I don't think he's six feet tall. I think yeah. six feet is really generous. He feels more like a 5'10", uh, 5'11 type of guy, which, you know, people might say like an inch or two, but it means a lot if we're talking about from 5'10 to six foot. <laughs> it, it actually does mean something here. And, you know, I, I'm with you. Like from what I've seen so far, I do like his game. I mean, he he's what? three consecutive three time or three consecutive biggies freshman of the week or whatever. Right. Yeah, That's a good start like to his career at yeah. Creighton. Um, as you mentioned, 47% from three, I know it's low volume, but if you see the shot, it looks pretty dude. He gets good elevation on the shot. It looks, it looks repeatable. It looks consistent. It looks balanced. I, I I'm into it. Um, I, one thing that I noticed, this guy is lightning fast, but he's a yeah. really good athlete. He shows some real pop, even going to the basket. There are a couple of possessions. I saw him going to the rack and he just w- did a really good job of being savvy about using his body to get in between he, him and the defender and the shot blocker, which I think is really important for a six foot guard, right. Or a five ten guard. Yeah. Um, also really good floater. Um, I like his floater a lot. Yeah. It's a really pretty looking floater floater. I think I saw Simon Rath tweet that on Twitter as well. He thinks he's got like the prettiest floater in college basketball or something, but, um, all that shows, you know? And so I, I totally understand why you like him for me. Like I just, I've always had this weird prejudice against smaller guards and it's probably a me thing, um, that I did that I just need to get over. But in terms of, you know, when you when you brought him up, I, I honestly had not seen a lot of Nemhard, so I had to jump into some games and watch him. And I totally get it. I totally get it. I just, for me, just want to see a little bit more. I guess sure. is kind of yeah. No, and then that that's fair um, because the 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 size is a legitimate issue. I defensively, I I think he's a really good defender. I think he moves his feet really well. Great instincts, but he's tiny. So I mean, even when he's right in a guy's face and contest like heavily contesting a mid-range jumper they're rising up a foot over him and he can't really do anything about it and he's also kind of easier to back down because he's so much smaller than these guys so it absolutely limits his defensive upside I loved what you brought up about his at-rim finishing because that's something that I noticed too where he's really good at using his body to shield the ball and extend but once you jump that level and NBA size and athleticism, you can still do it occasionally, but it's going to be a lot less. So it's tough because I, I, I'm typically the same way. I am scared off of tiny guards because there are all those, there's that checklist of what can't he do. And it's typically a lot because the NBA is still a league that's thrives on size and athleticism. And Nemhard doesn't really have that. I do. I, I still really like the shot, even though I know mm-hmm. it's low volume, but I think those percentages Same. aren't too far off from what his shot is, because I, I think he's really picky about the shots he takes and mm. doesn't force it. It's pretty similar to Monford where, and he'll pull up from deep, but he's not going to be pulling up like Trey pulls up. He'll run yeah. a pick and roll, swing it, circle out. And then if there's 10 seconds left, when the ball circles back to him, he'll, he'll put one up. Um, or if he gets hot like he did in the Nebraska game, mm-hmm. he'll be a little more forceful about getting mm-hmm. his own shot. But the way the way he runs the pick and roll is really comfortable too. Mm. Based on his size, I'm assuming a lot of NBA teams are going to be turned off. So I would be kind of surprised if he is a one and done this year. But 
if he does this for the entire season or even into next year yeah. and maybe even into his junior year, do you think there would be, if he, if it's repeatable and we see a lot of it, do you think that the NBA is still in his future or just an outlandish, outlandish dream? Damn, that's a really tough question, dude. <laughs> like I, that's what we're doing here. Yeah, man. Like I, I hear you. I want to be with you. <laughs> I get it. You know, like I, for me, like it, with what you're saying, trajectory wise, tra- trajectory wise, if he keeps this going and can sustain this throughout the season, then yeah, I can see it. Like, I could definitely see like a playoff team being like, let's spend a second round flyer on this kid and see what he can do. I can see that. I can 100% mm-hmm. see that. It's just, I have some concerns. Something that you mentioned in passing that I think is really important that I agree with you on. He can be very picky about his shots, but now picky can become something else. You get what I'm saying? Like there are times when I feel like he isn't all the way in and he's not as aggressive as I think he needs to be as, and he could be, you said that you talked about his athleticism. I think he's an NBA athlete in in terms of quickness and burst. And even like, even like his vertical, he's got it. This kid really does jump high. Uh, for a smaller guard, which I really enjoy. But as you mentioned, like, these are all good things and we're mentioning good things right now, but will it all come together and overcome the 5'10 stature is that million dollar question, right? And also, I mean, as you mentioned, um, you know, we're not sure if he's going to be a one and done. I mean, Creighton's really not known for one and dones, right? right. So uh, he might just be a guy who ends up spending two or three years there, Um which might be good for him, which might be really, really good for him. But I'm with you 100%. Even with him shooting, what, 69% from the free throw line right now, that's only on 2.9 attempts per yeah. game. That's to- I'm totally fine with that. I think that which doesn't Which is another really... concern, though, uh, that he's mm-hmm. not getting into the line enough, given how small he is. That's that's a good point. That's a really, really good point. So I'm with you, dude. I just I want to see more. I think I'm with you. If he can keep this going, then the, the conversation is definitely going to change. But so far, this early in the season, you have to be impressed. So I totally understand why you put him on this list. Um, fingers crossed he can keep it going, and then we'll, it'll be a totally different discussion. All right. Well, I, I think that's as good as I'm going to get from you, so I, I will gladly take it. Um, <laughs> who's, who's the next guy you want to bring up? Um, this is my last guy, and of course, I, this, this is where my bias comes in, but <laughs> thankfully, I'm not going to sound like some homer. Um, or some super biased guy because he popped off this week. I'm talking about Hyun yeah, Jung Lee, uh, the six seven wing from Davidson. This guy had himself a pretty good weekend. He's had a really good season so far. Junior playing for Davidson. Um, last year, he definitely fed a lot off of Kellen Grady, who now moved on to greener pastures with Kentucky. Um, but the thing that I really love about him the first thing that everyone's going to talk about when he's on mock book, mock drafts or big boards or whatever, everyone's going to say shooter, 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 shooter. Yep. I know right now when everyone talks about him, they say, they mentioned he was a 50, 40, 90 guy in college last year. That's freaking impressive. And, mm-hmm. and obviously that's something that I want to talk about. I think he's a wicked good shooter. Am I from Boston? Why did I say wicked <laughs> good shooter? That's so weird. Um, <laughs> I hate Boston. Anyway, um, he's a really good shooter. Um, from everywhere, from three-point line, from the mid-range, from the free-throw line. Beautiful, beautiful looking stroke. The thing that I love about Hen Jung Lee is that he's an incredible passer. If you watch mm-hmm. this guy play, he is an extremely intelligent, 
high IQ pastor, a guy who, Corey and I talk about this all the time. There are people who can get coached and trained into becoming better pastors. And then there are other guys who are born pastors, right? There are some guys who just feel the court differently, see the court differently, feel their teammates differently. And that's how I feel about Hyun Jung Lee. This is a guy who, you know, who, in my opinion, helped Kellen Grady get to Kentucky this year. Because he was incredible at passing the ball and, and finding Kellen Grady when he would flare out to the corner. Hyun Jung Lee would look over his smaller defender, throw it to the weak side or the strong side, wherever Kellen Grady was, and set him up for wide open threes. And that's something that I know people aren't going to talk about. So I want to be the one to kind of push that narrative about him. He's not just a shooter. He's a real mm-hmm. feeler on the court. Um, does he have his weaknesses? Absolutely. And we'll get to that. But I, I really like him as a shooter, like him as a passer. I like him on the boards. He, his, his rebounding numbers, I think, are way up this year. I know the other game, he had like 14 rebounds in a game. And I was like, yeah. so freaking proud of him. Um, <laughs> but I'll stop there and give you a chance to talk on him and see what you've seen so far, because I definitely need a more objective voice uh, in my ear about <laughs> him. But I, I'm really impressed so far. No, I, I love I love that you brought him up and there was another name that you were thinking about using for this episode i'm like no no let, let, let's go with the heart let's go with what feels right and thankfully he had a fucking incredible week i love that you brought up the passing because it's not that he's this high level playmaker but he is just that feel that feel for the game the knowledge of how the floor is balanced and where every single piece on the floor is at pretty much any given time. What I love about his passing is the crispness that he delivers every pass with. It's always just on a rope. Those skip passes, like those two-handed overhead skip passes, it is a line drive, and it's always right in the shooter pocket. It's perfect every time. And another area where I think that feel and that sense of floor balance really shines is his off-ball movement. the way he runs off screens and it's on the perimeter is super impressive, but he's also an awesome cutter. And at six, seven, his off ball movement and knowing how to read how the defender is guarding him when he runs off screens is really impressive because he'll, he'll, if they're trailing him and the lane is completely unoccupied, they they run the stagger screen for him all the time where he lifts out of the corner, runs off two screens, and he'll frequently dive in between the screens when the lay, the rim is unprotected for an easy layup. And he's in like the 97th percentile of at-rim finishing because he's wow. constantly getting these open layups. So the way he senses the defender on his back or if they're fronting him and how he can either flare out or run off a screen in pretty much any direction he wants right. is really special and then you combine it with his size to finish at the at the rim and his just absurd shooting ability from three. Mm-hmm. It's it's a pretty special combination of skills. Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. And something <laughs> that I, I want to touch on, you mentioned like the cutting and the off ball stuff. That that stuff is you're rock solid on that, dude. I love how he moves off ball. But something that we're seeing this year is that now teams have a scouting report on him. They know mm-hmm. how good of a shooter he is. So they are flying out to him on the perimeter. The thing yeah. that I've loved so far is he is now a way more willing driver to the rim. Mm-hmm. He's had some really nice finishes at the rim. Now he is not a Skywalker. He is not <laughs> going to go in there no. and dunk over the trees. He is a very 
very limited athlete and i get that he his feet are weird his knees are weird <laughs> it's all kind of, his feet are really clunky and slow but i like the fact that he's now attacking those closeouts going straight to the rim and as we mentioned he's an unbelievable shooter right so like we talked about with nemhart if he keeps going to the rim and he keeps getting fouled and goes to the free throw line him being a 90 percent free throw shooter guaranteed is points. clearly going to help him exactly guaranteed points and so i'm with you on that and kind you know right now because i'm kind of gushing over him i want to switch to the negatives because there are we a lot have to. I, we have to, you know, we're, these are weird guys and we're going to say weird things about all of them. <laughs> and uh, with him defensively, I want to say this, he's clearly very limited, right? Yeah. But, but the big, but here that I love about this season, uh, the big, but here, um, he is, <laughs> he's playing, he's competing his ass off defensively. That's the thing that I really like about him is, yeah, he's limited. He's got slow feet. He's going to get burned by smaller guards and by wings, but he's a guy that doesn't give up. That's the thing that I like. He's fighting to be a better defender. As I mentioned, he's willing to fight for rebounds. That's something we're seeing a lot more from him this year, but for me, I think he has to get stronger. He, he looks stronger this year. I'll give him credit for that, but I still think he needs to get a little bit stronger, just a little bit more. Um, I'd like to keep. I'd like to see him clean up defensively. I think there's still a lot of work to do there, especially with his feet, very, very clunky feet. Um, but I like the effort. Is kind of that one caveat that I'll put to that. And uh, before I dive into the, the on-ball defense and the athleticism yeah. or lack thereof, I. I I didn't hate his team defense. I thought his off-ball stuff, his weak side stuff was right. pretty solid. He was pretty – he was committed – or he's been committed to really shading towards the lane and recovering and kind of playing that weak side the way he's supposed to. It's, it obviously won't be as effective as a lot of guys because of that athleticism, but he's active and he's proven – proven at least so far to be a really reliable rebounder, which if if he can continue that throughout the season and show that that's a legitimate skill, it's important that it will be an important asset to his defense. The athleticism is rough. It's, it's not good. And everything he kind of does, he just looks really stiff and robotic. And you, you, you said his feet looked heavy and kind of clunky he kind of feels that way in the hips too. Everything just feels stiff. I'm not sure if it's a flexibility thing or just how his body is constructed type thing, but it's, it's pretty brutal when it comes to his on ball defense, because he can't really stick with anyone. Um, And that's what I'm worried about with him translating to the next level, because I, I know we don't really or NBA teams have gotten so much better at hiding guys on defense or scheming around bad defenders. But if he's going to be a six, seven wing and he's kind of going to be expected to guard some of those guys, he's going to get abused pretty much on a nightly basis. If he's actually in a rotation, right? What that leads me to thinking is you mentioned, does he need to, or you mentioned that he needs to get stronger. How much stronger? Because at six, seven, he's a good rebounder. Yeah, is his best role an outcome for a potential NBA career as kind of a stretch four? Do you think he could get strong enough to potentially play up as a four instead of a two or three? Um, or would that change too much of his body and potentially affect his shot and just kind of off ball offensive movement too much? Dude, I, 
my brain didn't even go there. Um, <laughs> if I'm totally honest with you. So I'm, I'm really thankful you even brought that up. I think initially like my gut reaction to that is like, he's already limited as an athlete. Like would adding that much mass where he can play the four, like what would that even look like on him? It's kind of like where my brain right. is going. You know, is he going to start looking like, I don't know, Ed Davis? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> like a slightly shorter Ed Davis or something. Alfred Camino. I don't know. Um, but yeah, man, like I, I, I hear you on that. I think the best point that you made was the hips. Uh, this guy has like really, really rough hips. Dude. Yeah, they just good. do not, they don't turn, they don't move. They're not fluid. It's like, it's like the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz. He needs... <laughs> He needs oil, dude, real bad. Um, some WD-40 in those hips. But I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. Like, I, I know I said this on the Draft Capital pod, but, like, he reminds me – sorry. My ultimate high-ceiling projection for him would be if he's, like, some sort of, like, Hito Turkoglu light was where my brain was at. It's, okay. like, kind of where I wanted him to be. Um, I think if he can tighten up his handle a little bit more and then you take in the passing and the shooting, maybe he could be that type of player. Okay. Um, but, of course, you know, the handle has to tighten up. I think athletically he's going to be limited. But, you know, Hito Turkoglu wasn't some freak athlete either is kind of where my head was at. But um, that's, like, a that's like prime best version of Hyun Jung Lee on the, on the next level. Um, if you can end up somewhere around that, I'd be pretty happy. But I 1 trillion percent agree with you with your concerns about him defensively. All right. Well, I I, I want to make it clear that I am, I am a big Lee fan. I really like mm-hmm. his offensive game. So I want to yeah. end on a high note. He's currently shooting almost 44% from three on seven attempts a game. How sustainable is that? Is that – are we going to see any fall off? Is it going to get better, more volume, or is it just going to be – three-point barrages throughout the season yeah i think it's going to sustain if you look at his numbers throughout college freshman year four attempts a game 37 percent. last year five and a half attempts 44 percent. this year seven attempts 43.8 percent. i think it's going to be there i think it's going to stay the same he is that pure of a shooter um if you watch him shoot there's what is there to critique about his shot, dude? It looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I think it's going to stay the same. It's the, the, the real hope for him, right? If you're looking at him from an NBA perspective is he's got to work on the rest of his game because the jump shot is going to be there. We have to see him continue to grow as a playmaker with his handle defensively. Those things have to continue to grow throughout the season. And my, my thing is, I think it will. He is carrying a huge load of the offensive you know, burden. So um, I think it's only going to get better. He had a huge 32-point game this week. Um, I'd like to see more of that. And so I, I think it's sustainable. Perfect. And I, I think that's a good place to transition into my last guy. And I got weird with this one. Um, from, <laughs> from Seton Hall, you may think I might bring bring up Kadari Richmond. I'm not. Jared Roden, not quite. I'm going Ike Obiagu, the 7-2 center who looks like a mountain troll. And I mean that in the most loving way possible. Um, I'm not even sure I'd use a draft pick on this guy, but I absolutely love him and think that he, I I don't think a five to 10 minute role in a rotation a night is out of the question for him. Um, Mm. For starters, I think he's, he might be the the best screener in the country right now. I know it's never sexy to lead off with a prospect's assets and say that screening is at the top of the list, but it is, he is, 
huge. And it is impossible for guys to get around him. And he's an awesome at-rim finisher. The volume's really low because he's out there to screen and not to shoot. Uh, they have Jared Roden and Alexi Yetna and Kadari Richmond to do that. But he is awesome and really patient at the rim. And once he gets the ball around the hoop, he's dunking it because no one can physically stop him. Defensively, though, is where I am fascinated by him because I think he is one of the most impressive shot blockers so far in the country. Um, It's not the Chet level of staying vertical and locating the ball in midair and using his absurd length to swipe down on it, but he's really good with his timing on blocking shots. Uh, He's averaging over 3.1 blocks a game this season. When he gets dragged away from the rim, it gets a little clunkier. It's that heavy feet that we typically see from the 7'2", 250-pound dudes. Um, But he competes and, you know, he he works to recover and at least attempts to get low in a stance that we don't typically see from guys. So I know I'm reaching here, I but just I love that he he's this massive dude who just does the dirty work and protects the rim almost as good as anyone in the country. Dude, I, this was the weirdest one. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, this pick here is what makes this pod so damn weird. But Metcalf, I give you all the respect in the world because <laughs> you had me studying Ike out of all the other guys in Seton Hall. And my eyes were glued to him because of you. And I'm kind of with you though. Like you kind of sold He's me fun. on him. But exactly. He is fun. He's a 4XL man. Yes. He is a gigantic human being. I, in my notes, I wrote absolute mountain of a man is <laughs> the perfect way to describe him. But the thing that freaks me out about him that does not make sense, he is that large and that tall, and he gets up off the ground so quickly. Yes. Like the physics of it makes no sense to me because he's so heavy and big, but he's a quick jumper. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Like him blocking shots, a lot of it is instinctual, but also he gets off the ground so quickly. Even offensively, when he sets his mind to go up for a dunk, he's up there so quickly. Like it's not even that he's so big. It's he's up there so fast, but defense, the defense is like, all right, I'm not going to jump with that. There's no reason, right? <laughs> he's already up in the air. He's 900 pounds and he's 900 feet tall. What is the point, right? He's one of those guys. Now, where I agree with you 100% on the defensive side is when you pull him out, his feet are slow. Um, okay. His feet are pretty damn slow. And also, Metcalf, one thing I did want to say, he's a really good screener. He really is. Mm-hmm. But he also has like the modern day weird thing where He'll set nine great screens and one preposterously terrible screen. Um, Like I saw one where it was like the worst screen I've ever seen in my life, but I'm with you. Like when he's, when he has his mind set on it and he's doing the right thing, how do you get around that guy? Like as a defender, I would be terrified. And my favorite thing about him that you did, you posted a video of when they were playing, who were they playing? I don't remember who they were playing, but some guy was going to the game. I, I, and, I, I, don't, I don't remember who, but I, I don't Yeah, and he saw Obiagu in the lane, and he just he just turned off. Like, his whole body <laughs> shut down. The ball went flying, and he just gave up. And he's that type of enforcer, intimidator in the lane because it's not just because he's gigantic in front of you, but he gets off the ground so quick, it's like, what's the point? So 
he's such a weird one. And this is fantastic that you brought him up, but he was actually a lot of fun to watch. I'm sure I, w- I would be pretty surprised if he ends up making or having some prolonged NBA career. He's not fluid or nimble enough to do so or skilled enough offensively to do so. But I would love it if he just made a rotation because I love his just the little things he does. And just when watching Seton Hall this year, he's just jumped off the screen at me. So I, I, I had to find some way to shoehorn in some Iko Biagu talk because I'm not sure there's going to be a whole lot of it throughout the draft world this year. So I just wanted to shoehorn it in. I think it was a fun place to end. He's a fun player. If you haven't seen Seton Hall, I'd say keep an eye out for him, but he's kind of hard to miss. So as we end every podcast, Albert, I want to ask you, what's the best thing you saw this week in the basketball world? It can be college, NBA, a single game, a player, streak or performance, whatever it is in the basketball world. What was it for you? Uh, the best thing that I saw was a seven-second uh, Twitter clip posted by – I think it was posted by Corey. I don't remember who it was, but it was a really short clip. Clip? Did I say quip? Jesus. <laughs> a seven-second clip of Victor Wimbanyama uh, yes. defending a smaller guard. He is put on skates, but he recovers to block the three-point jump shot, runs down in transition, and throws down a beautiful dunk. And – I watched that and I was like, that is something very different from what normal human beings can do at that size. Um, for as impressive as Chet was, like I was literally two feet away from Chet as he was warming up before the game. I could have reached my hand out and, t- and touched him. Um, as impressive as Chet is, Wimbanyama looks terrifying, dude. And that seven-second clip, I know, does not define who he is as a player or what he's going to be as an NBA player. But if you're looking for upside and if you're looking for no ceilings, um, that freak of nature is coming. And he's coming real soon. So I was ridiculously impressed by that. I was also ridiculously impressed by the the refs in the Knicks versus Bulls game that's going on right now. I got to watch the first quarter before we started recording. And they threw out Taj Gibson for God knows what. It was really weird. They're making it's a really young uh, officiating crew, and I tweeted out uh, these refs are making us millennials look really bad right now, um, and that's how I feel. So that was also impressive to me. But um, I'll stop there. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Love it. Albert, plug away. Tell the people where they can find you and what to keep an eye out for. Uh, you can find me all over the internet. I try to keep it low key. Um, I think of all the guys in our no ceilings group, I have the least amount of followers. Um, and it, that's cool. I like quality over quantity. Maybe that's what it is. Um, I, I like keeping it incognito. I don't like the limelight, but I'm having fun on Twitter. You can find me at Alberto Game, or you can find me at GTG NBA. I am also a part of our No Ceilings Collective, one of the founding members or whatever we're calling ourselves. Um, but it's been such a blast to be working with you guys. Uh, for our listeners here, Metcalf does some unfreaking believable work. If you haven't read his piece on Caleb Houston's passing, that thing is like, that was like a PhD level thesis, dude. That was awesome. We mentioned it. it on our draft deck pod this week. Um, but we're doing a lot of great work. Uh, you could find me on Twitter. I'm actually, so it's funny that you asked me to do this pod with you because I'm actually working on writing a piece on Julian Strother. Uh, he's a guy that I've, I'm really falling in love with the more I watch him. I just like players of that are like him. 
I like team players. I like third, fourth option guys. Maybe it's because that was always how I played in basketball growing <laughs> up. I was never the main option, but I really enjoy team players. Um, so yeah, I'm going to compare Julian Strother to somebody you guys might know from comic books. Uh, but I'm excited Ooh. to drop that piece next week. But um, be on the lookout for that. But uh, beyond that, dude, Metcalf, thank you so much for having me on. It was an honor. Um, this is our first time recording since you came on as our very first guest on the Draft Act podcast. So you have a very special place in Draft Act history. How far we've come. Uh, well, it, it was. <laughs> I, I, I was thrilled when you accepted to come on. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Once again, I'm your host, Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11. And please make sure to subscribe to the No Ceilings Substack at noceilings.substack.com. And follow us on Twitter at noceilingsnba. Uh, the Substack is completely free, and it gets d- delivered directly to your inbox every day whenever we publish anything. So you have zero excuses not to subscribe to some of the best season-long draft coverage you will mm-hmm. find. Please also make sure to check us out on YouTube at No Ceilings TV. Tyler Rucker is dropping his first episode of his new prospect video breakdown series on Friday. I got a sneak peek of it. I promise it's a must watch. It's going to be really good. By the time you're listening to this, uh, the next installment of my Friday screener series will likely be live. I'm covering Drayden Ivy and his transition offense this week. It's a lot of fun. He's taking the college world by by storm and quickly becoming one of the most enticing draft prospects of the 2022 draft. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time, see you.